football systems check. Microphone. Check. Record enabled. Kate. Check. Michelle. Check. All systems go. I repeat, all systems go. We got a problem. We got a Copy. We have ball blast. I repeat, we have ball blast. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. You know, you're kind of the talk of the town. Oh, this is going to be good. I'm Michelle Majuk. And I'm Kate Majuk. And we're married. To each other. And this is the Ball Blast NFL Podcast. Each episode, we will feature the latest top news in the NFL and what it means for fantasy football, sports betting, and you, the NFL fan. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Ball Blast Podcast. We are now behind. We we got all of this behind us, right? We got free agency behind us. We have the NFL draft check, check, and we have the NFL schedule check. We have all of the information we need to now look forward to the NFL season. We pretty much have all the pieces in place, and now it just comes down to waiting for everything to start. Training camp to start, preseason games to start, and just you know, just dreading all this entire time until September before you know it, the season's going to be over. Like that's how the quickly it just, be over. it just happens. Like <laughs> oh, okay. the NFL season just happens so quickly, but like this is that kind of moment where you have a full picture and you know what, Michelle, we're going to celebrate the NFL schedule release in style by talking about a couple of games that we're excited about. But I, I wanted to talk about one thing in particular that I wanted to shout out. It is the ball blast podcasts 200th episode Woo! 200th episode cheers so to that cheers to that y'all have been hanging around with us for way too long way too long but very excited to celebrate that milestone with all of you guys do you think we've gotten any better since episode one? Oh god i hope so remember like i had that little janky little jingle that i, I made I love the jingle i made yeah i made this jingle on the the little the software Mabob, it was, it, it was something. It was, it was really something. But yeah, I, I hope we've made some progress here in these two hundred episodes, and we appreciate you all being along for the ride. Yeah, it's been H- fun. If you're so kind, hit us with that five star review on your podcast app. Leave us a review. We would greatly appreciate it. But last week, right at the end of last week, we finally started to get some games. We started to hear the schedule. It all came out on Thursday, but we got some leaks before that. And I think the most exciting one, I mean, that's obvious, right, is the opener, right? The NFL kickoff is typically the most exciting game because you've been waiting forever. But I think this is such a good one because nobody was expecting it. It's the Chiefs versus the Lions. So we knew the Chiefs were obviously going to play on that Thursday night opener. But against the Lions, I don't think many people would have guessed that one. And I think it's personally a super exciting matchup. I like it was one of those matchups where when I first heard it, I was like, huh. And then you think about it a little more and you're like, oh, this is going to be a good game. Like two top five offenses from the 2022 season. Uh, you know, I, I would argue neither of them got like worse at this point, you know, like there's a lot to be excited about. These are two teams that have sort of endeared themselves to NFL fans 
Uh, maybe not so much the Chiefs anymore because they're too good and they're building a dynasty. But oh, like, everyone's gonna be rooting for the Lions. Everyone's Besides rooting Chiefs for the Lions. Fans, everyone's rooting for the Lions. You're like everybody fell in love though with Dan Campbell's Lions on Hard Knocks last year, and I mean this team went from zero primetime games in 22 zero. Well, they ended up having one in week 18, got, but, but schedules it got flexed. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. got flexed. It wasn't a scheduled. Which I also thought was one of the biggest snubs that existed in the schedule release. Like, how did they not have a primetime game after you just hyped them up in the middle of Hard Knocks? Like, it felt like a very weird, uh, oh, I guess they didn't know Hard Knocks. I don't know. Interesting. Anyway, felt really weird. But now they get their redemption opening up the season, and it's going to be a really good game. Yeah, I mean, the last time we saw Patrick Mahomes versus Jared Goff, I mean, there's only been one time we've seen this matchup, and it was possibly the best game of the, I don't know, last 20 years. It was one of the best games in NFL history. It was a history-making game. Both teams scored 50-plus points. Yeah, only time in NFL history that both teams scored 50-plus points. In a game, both Jared Goff and Patrick Mahomes had monster performances. The big difference was Mahomes turned the ball over three three times, and Jared Goff, surprisingly, did not. But 105 total points combined in that game, 14 total touchdowns scored. It's insane. Like, obviously, like, this is not something we should be expecting, but that game was a blast for fantasy. And a I, ball blast. A ball blast. And hopefully, week one, we're going to see that same – Obviously not 54 to 51, but maybe a 38 or to 31 game where we get lots of fantasy points. Maybe we see Jameer Gibbs break out as a rookie in his first game against the Chiefs. That would be fun. You would would think they need to pass to him a bunch, but obviously we'll get way more into the matchups as we get closer to to the season. But I love this matchup. For sure. Like that was just an offensive explosion of games, but like, There was also some defense there, too. Like you said, Patrick Mahomes had some turnovers. Like, it wasn't like it was just offensive fireworks. There was some slop to it. Like, there just happened to be a lot of fireworks on the offensive side. But Goff and Mahomes both threw for 400-plus yards and four touchdowns. Like, if that's your fantasy day to open up the NFL season, well, boy, howdy, are you going to be happy with that? Now, if you had to pick, like, obviously, this is the the star of the conversation. Like, it's the most exciting game of the year. What is your best bet? Uh, let's say, let, let's look at the point total, right? Um, over or under 53 and a half points. I'm going over there. I'm going over too, baby. Let's go. Like, neither of these teams, I think. Uh, no, I mean, the Chiefs could put up 53 points on the Lions defense. On your own. You don't even need the Lions to do anything. I will say the one thing that could be nerve-wracking is Jared Goff uh, home road splits were drastic last year. I don't have the exact stats up right now, but he scored almost all of his touchdowns at home and did not score very many on the road whatsoever. The Lions point per game went down by like 10 points from home versus road. So we'll see if he can do it in Kansas City. That's the beauty, though. It's in Kansas City, and it's the Chiefs, so they can literally score all the points that the Lions don't score. Well, we're going to need the Lions to score some to yeah. get over 53, but I do think the Chiefs handle an easy 35 of those points. Yeah, I, I think this is going to be fun. Now, 
I mean, this is going to be an interesting matchup. Like, on the Lions, you know the fantasy assets at play. Like, Jared Goff is probably going to be on some of my rosters as, like, a late-round quarterback, but probably not going to want to start him in this game on the road against Patrick Mahomes. Like, the volume should be there, but, yeah, like, home road splits were atrocious last year. But, like, Jameer Gibbs, Amonra St. Brown, like, these are exciting prospects. Sam Laporta rookie tight end who has been absolutely crazily hyped. When you look at Kansas City Chiefs side of the ball, suddenly you're like, uh, which, no, which no, guy's going to score the fantasy points? I'm not falling into that trap. The Chiefs are going to win. They're going to win by a ton. No, no, no. I'm just, who's, like, obviously the Chiefs are going to put up Patrick Mahomes and Travis points. Kelsey will score the fantasy points. All of them? Yes, because okay. they always do. Uh, Pacheco will sneak into the end zone once, score his 10 normal points, and that's going to be about it. <laughs> it I mean, maybe Jarek McKinnon gets a receiving touchdown. If you oh, had yeah. to pick. Like, one of these guys, Richie James, is going to score a touchdown and have, like, five receptions for 35 yards. I freaking love it. I freaking love yeah. it. <laughs> he's going to be on my DFS roster to open up the season. Now, like, Richie James, he's actually a guy in, uh, like, I'm in a dynasty best ball league. Uh, and we were in the middle of our rookie drafts. I was in the fifth round of our rookie drafts. So, like, there almost were no rookies left to be drafted at that point. And lo and behold, I saw Richie James available for the pickings. And I took Richie James in the fifth round of my rookie drafts because why not? Patrick Mahomes is throwing him the ball, and there will be touchdowns scored. So yeah, You'll be dropping him by week five. It's fine. <sighs> He's going to be pointless. Hey. Uh, either way, it, like going to be a really, really exciting game. Will it be the highest scoring game of week one? No. Okay. Do you have one that you think will be over in week one? I just, don't, I think it's too obvious of one. It's always the team that the, the games you don't expect. I feel like that are the higher scoring games. Yeah. Um, it's interesting because the week one schedule, I feel like a lot of, the higher powered offense is like it it doesn't feel like they have high powered matchups necessarily in week one. Um the one that I'm kind of eyeing as a sneaky potential high scoring game, Dolphins at Chargers. Yeah, I could see that. It, like you're moving into the season presuming Tua's healthy, which means it it's gonna be Tua, it's gonna be Tyreek Hill. Jalen Waddle, newly drafted, Devin Achain, who is, like, one of the fastest running backs in this year's draft. Absolute speed demon. Like, it's going to be really hard for the Chargers defense to keep up with them. But, like, the you know, Justin Herbert always makes it a challenge himself. Cincy at Cleveland could be, too. Sneaky high scoring. But I, I did want to ask, what do you think when you're looking at this schedule, what do you think will be the highest scoring game in 2023? And the reason I ask is because, you know, we love fantasy. And when you score a lot of points, you know, you get a lot of fantasy points. So what game are you eyeing that you're like pumped for when it comes to fantasy? I have one in week two. So it's super early on in the season. Ooh, can you go first? Yeah, I'll go first. It's the Seahawks at the Lions. So again, I feel like the Lions are just going to be in this a lot. Like, in, like our excitement with fantasy, who knows if they'll let us down. But Seahawks and Lions, neither one have a strong defense, right? But they both have stacked offenses. And it's in Detroit. It's Detroit's uh, season opener 
again, the Lions offense in Detroit is absolutely electric. And Seattle, like, gets to come play in a dome. Geno Smith has all the weapons he, uh, like, ever needs. And then the running backs can go berserk on the Lions defensive line as well. Like, that game could put up so many fantasy points. I'm already eyeing that game and getting so excited. Uh, again, Geno Smith, another guy that I'm going to be drafting in the late rounds, I'm sure. A really like big unsung hero for fantasy based on what he was able to do. Not just like he was, you know, nice on, on scrambles, got some rushing yards, but like his safe floor as a passer was really, really nice. And now you add in Jackson Smith and Jigba, you add in Zach Charbonnet, like there's nothing that you're going to come out of this game. Not really liking for me, I think my sneakiest, this might not be the, the highest scoring all year, but I think it has a chance. What about Jacksonville Jaguars against the Cincinnati Bengals week 13? Mm. Now, like it doesn't, I, I feel like we're not thinking about the Jaguars as like this high octane offense, but I mean, we saw Trevor Who's Lawrence, not thinking of this Jaguars offense? They're high. just, they're not, I, I don't think they're being talked about a lot. I'm not saying they're not considered a, a high octane offense, but I definitely say they're not a, a team I, like the Chiefs, the Bills, like we keep hearing about the same offenses over and over again. Jaguars aren't a team that I'm hearing a lot of rumblings of excitement about, right? Like the Bengals, that's a team I'm hearing a lot about. The Jaguars on the other side of the ball there, not a team I'm hearing so much about. But both of these offenses are coming in with a lot of superstars. And guess what? Neither of these defenses are ones that I'm looking to write home and write home about and, and be excited about. I think the number of superstars in this game could make it uh, one of the highest scoring all year. But I think this is going to be an absolute – insane in the membrane game for fantasy i think the nfl gave us a really exciting thanksgiving day slate i love me some thanksgiving football a high scoring slate because yeah. i feel like you always look like i say you as in like the universal you i feel like every time i see the thanksgiving slate i'm underwhelmed because it just seems like a defensive day now to start this i mean to start off the year right just looking at it before when we're in what now may so we got a long ways away till Thanksgiving, but the slate looks awesome. And there's nothing better than eating food and watching football all Thanksgiving's day long. my favorite holiday. Yeah. I mean, is there anything better than just stuffing your face with food and drinking some White Claws? No. Or no. mimosas? Or mimosas. Yeah, mimosas. So to, if you don't know the slate on Thanksgiving Day, you wake up. And the first game of the day is a Packers at the Lions. Again, the Lions come up, but they're an exciting team. So, again, in Detroit, too. So that's fun for offense. And I think with it being Jordan Love and those pieces on offense, I think at that point in the season, too, all those young wide receivers will know which ones have come forward and really taken over. Is it Christian Watson? Is it Romeo Dobbs? Is it Jaden Reed, their second-round pick there? And then they have a bunch of young tight ends now. So it's going to be – I think there will be a lot of interesting pieces there to watch on offense. And this should just be a really fun – early Thanksgiving game. And then in the afternoon, you get the commanders at the Cowboys. The Cowboys are normally always a pretty high scoring game. And we are very excited for Sam Howell. Yeah. 
So if Sam Howell is still the starting quarterback by Thanksgiving, that means he's probably doing something (laughs) well. There's a lot of fun wide receivers and pieces on the commander's offense. So I think those are two fun offenses to watch for fantasy in the uh, afternoon game. And then at night you get the 49ers at the Seahawks. Always a fun matchup between those two teams. For sure. Um, Now, going looking at the schedule from a fantasy perspective we already talked about like the highest scoring games is there anything on the schedule that has you worried or like that you think is notable in terms of like what to look out for for your fantasy teams I know it's so early to make those considerations but like for example the Giants they have a really like one of the longest uh stretches of road games in the NFL since uh, not the longest stretches but uh, I think they have road games in seven of ten straight weeks. Like, they're on the road a lot in a very short amount of time. That might be something to consider. It's not a, a make-or-break situation, but, like, as as those games start ticking down, these guys get worn out, and it, you might see a decline in production. Does any of that come into consideration for you? I would, have to, I would have to look where the Giants – um, play at on those road games. Like how far away are they? But there's not a ton of Giants players like I'm dying for, you know? <laughs> so I, I don't know if it's going to mess with my strategy too much or fantasy. One, I really wanted to bring up with Christian McCaffrey and the 49ers schedule. I am a little bit worried about this, right? Because over the last three years, we've all been holding our breath about Christian McCaffrey's injury, but like just injury history and, for two straight years, it hurt us. And then last year, he held it together. And although he was dealing with some bruises and whatnot, like everyone else is, he played the whole season. And he was absolutely fantastic with the Panthers and then even better with the 49ers. This is my thing. Is he going to make it a whole nother season healthy? Which I guess we have to just assume yes. But their schedule, they have so much traveling. They have the most miles among any team of how far they have to travel throughout the year. But it's not even just that. It's like they have to keep going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth from the east to west coast, west to east coast. So right from the bat, they have to come all the way to Pittsburgh from San Francisco. Right after that, they have to go back to L.A. to play at the Rams. And then they have a couple home games. Then they have to come back to the east coast or close to the east coast to play at Cleveland. And then they have to go back to San Francisco to just come right back to Minnesota. And then they luckily have a bye, but then have to come back to the East Coast to play the Jaguars, have to come back home to play in San Francisco. And then a couple weeks later, they have to come back to the East Coast to play in Philly, come back home to play the Seahawks. And then a couple weeks later, have to travel to the Washington, D.C., Oh and, then come, and then come back home in week 18. This is so much traveling from the West Coast to the East Coast. It is an absurd amount of miles. And that does make me nervous about injuries and how fresh you are and, you know, just like how well you can hold up throughout the season. We already have those worries with Christian McCaffrey and the 49ers were really, you know, volume, volume, volume for him. Can he hold up? That's it's not even me. it's not even as scary, I think, from an injury concern, but thinking to yourself, like 
I mean, we've traveled, right? Like we know what traveling can do to your body. It's exhausting. It is mentally. It was exhausting just to say those, like, it, to go through the whole schedule. And it was to exhausting it. to listen to. <laughs> like it was terrible to listen to. But like as somebody who has traveled once or twice in my life, like the process of traveling can be absolutely draining. And then you think about them traveling from west coast to east coast changing time zones blah 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 like that sounds like something that by you know maybe the the first couple trips are going to be good but I'm going to guess they're going to be pretty tired by the end of the season and that might be a point where like they're really mentally tested you know from a like I don't know not it's not necessarily resilience I don't know what kind of word it is but do they have the mental strength and fortitude to last through that kind of schedule? Like it's rough and it's a team that, you know, you're already, they already have a ton of injuries every year. Yeah. It's just, I, I don't know. It, it's, it's brutal. Yeah. It is brutal for the 49ers. Yeah. It does not sound fun. And I do. I, I think this is a question I've had in my head this whole past month since the draft it's I think B. John Robinson is my one-on-one in redraft leagues over Christian McCaffrey and it, I think the schedule that came out it really solidified that for me because I was already nervous if Christian McCaffrey could hold up now I mean B. John Robinson could get injured any running back could get injured but that schedule for the 49ers makes me go to B. John Robinson. And the latest, I mean, we're going to get these type of news reports all offseason long to hype up every player in the league. It doesn't matter how big their name is, how small their name is. But uh, B. John Robinson during rookie training camp said that Arthur Smith, the head coach for the Falcons, is using me everywhere from receiver to running back when asked about where he's lined up in minicamp. And B. John's schedule is real nice to start the season. So I think those those two things together, where we, we at least know Arthur Smith is open-minded and wants to use him as a playmaker and not just a, I don't know, not just between the carries type of running back. And then also to start the year, you get the Panthers, the Packers, the Lions, the Jaguars, and Houston. Like, a lot of great games in there that I just want to start off strong. I don't want to have to worry about all that traveling. And I want... Bijan Robinson over Christian McCaffrey. Am I stupid? No. No. Am I overthinking the schedule? I, like, honestly, so it, there's a couple of ways that I think you can look at it because, like, Christian McCaffrey, if you're drafting him in the first round with your 101, like, you're presuming that he's going to be the centerpiece of your team all season long. Now, if you're going into the mindset and the the openness to trade him at some point in the season, say you think he's going to get off to a hot start and then you're going to be able to sell him for Bijan Plus. like I think Bijan's going to get off to a hot start and then you can sell Bijan for everything. Okay. That's I, how I feel. The I think, it you know, I, I kind of look at schedule similar to, I, you know, like, bye weeks like I, I don't care if I draft a bunch of players all with the same bye week because the chances of all of those same players being on my roster by the time the bye weeks are actually in consideration not great like I, I kind of have to approach it with that mindset but I think the schedule can be a tiebreaker 
not necessarily. A- yeah. And I kept going back between CMC and Bijan Robinson about who I would rank as my running back one this year. And now I, I think after the schedule and the worries I have, I'm going with Bijan. It's a tiebreaker. I think that's, that's the best way to put it. Like you're not necessarily going to make decisions based on the schedule, but if you have two players that are very similarly tiered, use that to, to break the tie. And one schedule I wanted to bring up, uh, I do think the Steelers wide receivers have a very nice schedule to start the season. Now, no one is excited about Steelers wide receivers, right? Like no, because the an- they're, they're quarterback through seven total t- – how many – how many wide receivers last year had more receiving touchdowns than Kenny Pickett had passing touchdowns? I'm sure a ton, but I just wanted to bring up their schedule real quick to start. You get the 49ers, which were a hard defense last year, but not a good secondary and not a good passing defense. Uh, you get the Browns, not a good secondary. The Raiders, not a good secondary. The Texans, not a good secondary. And the Ravens. And last year, they were one of the worst secondaries. So, those are the first five games. And then you even get the Rams the next week, and they no longer have Jalen Ramsey. So who knows what they're going to look like. That is six straight games that starts really nice for them when it comes to their passing game. I'm not saying draft Kenny Pickett because I, I wouldn't want to do that. But I do think Deontay Johnson maybe deserves another chance. He's going to be way cheaper than he was last year in drafts. And if you play in a PPR league, he's going to offer plenty of value as a wide receiver too. You can plug him in your wide receiver two spot or in your flex and in PPR leagues. I do think he's going to come through for you uh, with this nice schedule with Kenny Pickett going into his second year. And I don't want to forget about George Pickens. He also has this nice schedule, but I think at this point, George Pickens might be drafted ahead of Deontay Johnson in fantasy drafts with the excitement and I would prefer Deontay Johnson. I Yeah, I think Deontay Johnson just generally has a safer floor. Like, you know George Pickens can make the flashy plays, but I definitely I, I'm going to trust Deontay to get more of that volume. And it is confirmed 11 wide receivers had more receiving <laughs> touchdowns last year than Kenny Pickett had passing touchdowns. And that's not even including Travis Kelsey. Oh, no. No, this is just wide receivers. receivers. Just wide receivers. Yeah, yeah, I didn't even do – I guess I could take a look at the other skill Jarek McKinnon had more receiving (laughs) touchdowns than Kenny Pickett had passing. That is the best stat I've ever heard in my (laughs) entire life. He actually had two more touchdowns than Kenny Pickett. That's insane. Um, Jawan Johnson had the same number of – receiving touchdowns as Kenny Pickett had passing touchdowns. I'm done. I'm done. So, I'm do done. You, do you agree with me that Deontay Johnson? Yes. Is, I, I think the schedule to start the season is very interesting for them. And one, I was telling people to make a bet on, I have a 49ers podcast. Uh, if you want to go listen Plot to it. it, it's called the gold standard. You can go find us on any podcast app you listen to, but I was saying the Steelers are going to win week one against the 49ers. The Steelers have a great rock record in week one. The 49ers do not. And I, I think the Steelers in week one, when they're fully healthy on defense, we don't even know who the 49ers quarterback is. I think they're just going to smash at home. I really do. And the 49ers or the Steelers are getting three and a half points. So make that bet. Yeah, I, I like it. Um, do you think I'm being a homer? Maybe. I'm just, I'm so worried about Kenny Pickett. I get, I, I get it. I get it. I get it. I, I, I get it. 
had some flashes at the end of last year, but I still worry like seven touchdowns is not a lot of touchdowns. That is like, it's really hard to find a lot of production when it comes to dispersing seven touchdowns. Like, and it's not as though Deontay Johnson has made his money over the years, you know, scoring touchdowns. So that helps his case, I think more than anybody else's case, but like, a guy like Pat Fryermuth, who I think has been, you know, just a pretty reliable red zone target in his short time in the league, that's a guy that I'm a little bit more worried. Deontay Johnson has to score a touchdown this year, right? Like, yeah. he has to score. There's no way he goes another year without a touchdown. But I just worry about all of these receiving assets just with the the concerns I have in terms of that ceiling, especially with Matt Canada as the offensive coordinator. All right. I will be taking Deontay Johnson in the, my late rounds in fantasy drafts because no one else is going to want him, and I'll happily take him in PPR leagues. I he's think had, he's, I think he's one of those boring veterans that nobody wants, and he's going to be highly like he's just going to give you points. He's going to give you points, and I mean he's a wide receiver who's never had fewer than ninety targets in a single season, hasn't had fewer than one hundred and forty-four targets in any of the last three seasons, like. You're going to draft a guy like I don't care how inefficient your offense is or how inefficient, like how many drops you have. Yeah, if I can get a guy with nearly 150 targets in the eighth round, like that's where he's going to yes. be going. And that's, that's a steal. That's a smash. Yeah. Smash. And like I said, this guy's was really nice. So if you don't want to keep him, I, I think he'll do well in the beginning of the season. Trade him if you want to. But I do think he's a guy that you have to keep an eye on when it comes to the schedule. Now, moving on from the schedule for a little bit here um, to close out the show, let's finish with a different segment. I want to talk about the most improved teams this offseason and which players have benefited the most on those said teams when it comes to fantasy. So I have a couple teams in mind. Do you have a team that was the most improved this year? I kind of, again, and I know like you're going to be sick of hearing me talk about it, but can I just bring up the Atlanta Falcons like one more time? Like one more time. That's all I need. I just, I feel like it, the moves they've made just time and time again between uh, the additions they've made on defense, it, Calais Campbell, Jesse Bates, like Jonu Smith, I think was a really solid move for them, even though it's not a sexy move. Like Bijan Robinson, I just think this team has overall just built something kind of special like even the the move for Jeff Akuda who hasn't worked out to this point in the year like or to this point in his career like there's still a reason he was a top draft pick and there's still some potential for him to blossom into something they took on a lot of upside I think for the lack of risks you know even the the move to to sign Matt Collins and Scotty Miller like again two really just low-key names who I think make them a better football team. Like the Falcons became a better football team this off season and they were already winning a, a decent number of games when they were at their very worst. I just think people are sleeping on this team because of Desmond Ritter and I'm sick of it. Do you think this, this Desmond Ritter will be a fantasy asset next year? And how do you feel about Drake London? Do you think the moves they've made this year help Drake London out they didn't really add uh, really anybody at wide receiver. I I think that the return of a healthy Kyle Pitts is going to be immensely helpful for them. 
Uh, Johnny Smith, if he's in there as a blocker, you have Kyle Pitts split him out wide. Like, that's effectively having – like, how many wide receivers, in like, real talk, if you could just replace Kyle Pitts with a wide receiver, like, how many wide receivers would you want over Kyle Pitts playing wide receiver? Um, a lot. <laughs> what do you mean? A lot. I'd want a lot of wide receivers. Really? Yeah. Yes, Let's I think – you're higher on Kyle Pitts than I am. He had a thousand receiving yards as a he, rookie. He is super talented, and I think he's super fun to have as a, mitch, a mismatch as a tight end. But I wouldn't want him as a wide receiver on a team. Like, oh, yeah, he's a big ass wide receiver. Yeah, over some guys, sure, but not over any of the top guys in the league. Or I. So my concerns, like I, I think this offense in general is kind of set up to do what they need to do, right? Like, they clearly want to run the ball. Great. Bijan and Tyler Algier, definitely going to set you up to do that. Uh, they want to play defense. I think, you know, the off-season acquisitions I mentioned also do that. Like, I just think, like, why not? Why are we low on the Falcons? They won seven games last year. I have no idea how. And when I look at what they've added this offseason, I don't know how that doesn't amount to because they just at got least lucky. two more games. One win was pure just given to them because DJ Moore took off a helmet in celebration. When other when when Travis Kelsey was able to take off his helmet and slam it across the entire field when he was angry a few weeks later and he didn't even get penalized. The Panthers lost a game to the Falcons because DJ Moore took off his helmet after a play was done. Not even on the field. I agree. And in it was celebration. So just give them six wins because they won six games. All right. And they they just lucked into wins besides that. But no, they stink. I'm going to give an actual team that I think has gotten. I cannot uh, wait until they win the NFC South. <laughs> I think it's gotten even better than last year. They were a surprise last year. I think they've done had a really nice offseason. And it's the Seattle Seahawks. And I think Geno Smith is a huge, huge winner. A, he got the contract extension. And you know, Geno Smith was a solid fantasy option for a lot of last season. He kind of fell off towards the end of the year. And maybe that's, you know, he fell off to back to his new norm, like what he always has been. But I think with these weapons and with Pete Carroll as a coach and determined to make Geno Smith, you know, just like focus on his strengths and not ask too much from him. I think he's going to continue being a pretty solid fantasy quarterback this next year because they added, not only do they still have DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, they added Jackson Smith, the Jigba in the first round. I think add, you added the best wide receiver in the draft class to already two, two of the best wide receivers in the NFL. Like that is absolutely incredible. And then you have, you still have Kenneth Walker who's coming into his second year should only be better. And his explosiveness last year was insane. They added Zach Charbonnet, who we really liked coming out of the draft. He could be another, like, just a reliable running back to give Kenneth Walker some breaks. And then the offensive line should even be better from last year as well, since you had two rookie tackles starting last year. They were pretty good. Like, they're really good as rookies, and now they're going into their second season with Charles Cross and Abraham Lincoln. Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> <laughs> Abraham Lucas. I think this. <laughs> I'm sorry. Abraham Lincoln. That's the most. I need a Photoshop 
of Abraham Lincoln in a Seahawks jersey, like as soon as possible. So uh, I do think their defense is not like the best still, but they added Devin Witherspoon uh, super early in the first round. Jamal Adams is still technically there. We'll see if he plays this year. Uh, they have Tariq Woolen come into his second season. They have pieces. They brought back Bobby Wagner, brought back, or they signed Dreamont Jones, defensive tackle during this off season. So I, I think, I think that might be even better than next than last year. Okay. And I, I think for fantasy, would you take, I mean, then would you take them over to the 49ers to win the no, NFC West? No, 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 no. The 49ers have one of the stacked, most stacked rosters in the league. That doesn't mean that the Seahawks didn't improve incredibly. But I it would not. It's mostly Geno Smith, right? If you put, if you put, I'm trying to think, like Josh Allen on this roster, then yeah, I probably put them over the 49ers. But I, I don't see Geno Smith bringing this team to like 13 wins or anything like that. But I do think they have a very good season. I think Geno Smith is a very good uh, fantasy quarterback this next year. And I want Kenneth Walker on my team. I don't care that they drafted Zach Charbonnet. He will steal some touches. But I think Walker is going to be so explosive in this offense that should score so many points with all of these weapons. And how are you going to guard those three wide receivers and then also focus on stopping the running game as a defense? Like, you just can't. Well, why don't you just marry them? Good comeback. <laughs> That's all I had. Okay. Is there another team that you thought did really well this offseason so far? This isn't going to be like a sexy one, and I feel like I'm going to get a lot of hate for shouting this team out, but I feel like we could give the Texans a pat on the back. I thought about it. I think they've done a really nice job. Right? Like, it doesn't, again, they don't have, like, the most exciting or the most flashy roster, but, like, from top to bottom, I, I think all things considered – have done a really good good job evening out both sides of the ball like the Texans they actually like it felt like they were kind of a pain in the ass to teams last year like it didn't feel like they were just put away super easily they had some fight they have you know Jalen Petrie De Derek Stingley like bringing in Will Anderson you bring in CJ Stroud you tank Dell and then you bring in you know some veteran receivers Robert Woods uh, one of my favorite receiving tight ends in the league, Dalton Schultz, Devin Singletary, like the all things considered, you know, Jimmy Ward, like I, I feel like all of these moves, you know, just really kind of make them a better team. Like they they had three wins all of last season and I could picture them. I don't know. I'm getting spicy. With five wins. Yeah, like five <laughs> wins, man. Like the, I, I just think we should give them some flowers because it does feel like top to bottom. This is kind of a transformed roster right now. If you had to have, if you had to pick one of these players besides Damian Pierce to be on your fantasy roster, who do you want on the Texans among any of the positions? Dalton Schultz. Easily. Yeah, I, I do think like how many targets could he get this year? Like, are you expecting at least a hundred targets this year from him? Yes, a hundred. 100% Dalton Schultz will be, if he is on the field, he is a 100-plus target guy. And I like it wouldn't at all surprise me if it were much higher than that, um, like 120 targets. I don't know. He's had um, each of the last three seasons 89-plus targets, and that has translated to fantasy production. Like he's been, you know, year over year, one of the most productive and reliable tight ends for fantasy that you've been able to find. And now he gets into this situation where like 
Michelle, every year we talk about like breakout tight ends. How do we find them? And every year we come back to this, you know, idea of guys that, you know, maybe could come into a target share and suddenly have, you know, suddenly have the ability to lead their team in targets. Like that is what I'm looking at in terms of Dalton Schultz. Over the last three years, he has scored the, the sixth most fantasy points among all tight ends. He's been good. He's been real good. Now we'll see if it's because of the Cowboys offense and Dak Prescott helping him along. And, you know, the Cowboys have scored the number one offense in the NFL since 2020. The Texans, on the other hand, I don't know for sure. But if I had to make a guess, probably the lowest scoring offense, (laughs) at least over the last two seasons. For sure. For sure. But also like in terms of, of, you know, like that production, like, you're looking at a high scoring offense, but you're also looking at an offense where he wasn't the primary target. Like that was CeeDee Lamb's offense and Dalton Schultz was kind of like the the second fiddle here, um, sometimes third fiddle, and still put up that kind of production. I just think generally speaking, underrated skill set, I think it's gonna translate really well to this Houston offense. We've seen what uh, CJ Stroud can do throwing across the middle of the field. Like that was his in, in Jackson Smith and Jigba sweet spot. Dalton Schultz is going to be able to create plenty of those mismatches. And I think we're going to see a lot of that work over the middle start to translate. And he's going to be like, yeah, I wouldn't be at all surprised. Top five tight end, top four tight end. Yeah. I'll have him ranked high for sure. I, I am like obnoxiously like optimistic about Dalton Schultz this year. It's just any tight end that's in that position to just get so many targets it, you have to be hopeful for because there's so much so little to grab at the tight end position and then uh my second team that I think is improved the most it's not going to shock anybody it's the Chicago Bears uh, I just wanted to bring them up really quickly like I don't think people understand how much that Equinamius St. Brown and Dante Pettis had to play <laughs> last year for this offense like pathetic and now you switch that with DJ Moore a healthy Darnell Mooney then you have Chase Claypool as a third guy with DJ Moore and a healthy Darnell Mooney fine like that's a nice little group you you fix up the offensive line pretty good last year but then you still added a tackle in the first round in Darnell Wright and then added a really good guard in Nate Davis in free agency as well and then, the, the, like, is there a better running game going into the season? Like, is there a scarier run attack between Justin Fields and then you have three running backs who I think are all very capable of being workhorse running backs in the league of Deonta Foreman, Khalil Herbert, and Roshan Johnson, who's a rookie this year. I think all three of them could be starting running backs in the league. They can all switch in and out, stay healthy and stay you know, fresh. And then Justin Fields, I think that's one of the scariest uh, – backfields in the league if not the scariest they really worked on fixing their defense this year with adding some linebackers adding on the defensive line in the draft and in free agency and they have a young secondary as well so I think they did a really good job this year fixing that entire team they're still not going to be amazing but I I want Justin Fields on every single one of my fantasy teams next year and if I'm picking a running back, I'm going with Khalil Herbert still. I think he's the most explosive yes. one, and I, he's been there the longest because the other two have just joined this offseason. And Herbert's just really good. So I'm going to stick with Khalil Herbert, and I want a piece of this running back room for next year if I am you know, if I think they're going to be such a great 
running team. And I want Khalil Herbert. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I'm not super high on DJ Moore. I know I like I love Justin Fields, and I think DJ Moore helps Justin Fields. I think DJ Moore is much better for Justin Fields than yeah than he is for himself. Like, it's not like I'm a, like if DJ Moore is a solid value, then that's fine. But I could see DJ Moore and Deontay Johnson having extremely similar seasons next year, and Deontay Johnson's going to go about like four rounds after him. Yeah, you're definitely going to be able to draft Deontay Johnson significantly later. Like. No doubt. No doubt at all. All right. And then uh, got to be negative here a little bit. Who are the least improved teams this offseason and which players could struggle due to that fact? This might like be stupid. Yeah, um, it's stupid. I see it. <laughs> it's stupid. <laughs> but like you're asking the question, which team has not made or is least improved like this team i don't think has made any who's the team big, to say it? it's the kansas city Chiefs. did they lose patrick mahomes this offseason no but oh then doesn't matter i'm just saying like you asked which team did travis kelsey retire you asked which team has least improved this is what have been the answer last year and no. then they went and won the super bowl yes it doesn't mean they're bad no yes. you asked a very specific question okay. least improved okay 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 it is a me- it is not a measurement of their super bowl odds it's not a measurement of how many games they will win but if you're asking me where they started and where they ended i'd say they really haven't done anything whatsoever like very net neutral to almost negative with the loss of Orlando Brown. Like other than that, what, what can you say about this roster? Ooh, they signed Richie James. Like we already talked about Richie James. You're not excited about Richie James. What does Richie James do for Patrick Mahomes? Nothing. Like you have Travis Kelsey, another year older. You have Sky Moore who clearly they didn't love. They have Kadarius Tony who is quote unquote, like their wide receiver one. And yet they gave him six total offensive snaps in the Super Bowl. Like for a team that is Rashi Rice, Rashi Rice is like Second again a rookie who I I like in terms of his landing spot. I think, um, you know, he's going to be one of the the rookies that I'm drafting even in redraft leagues because of the opportunity. But like generally speaking, what did this team do? Really nothing. Like uh, signed Jawan Taylor and replace of Orlando Brown guess what literally out of all offensive tackles in the NFL ranked 136 out of 137 offensive tackles in PFF run block grade not ideal second to last among all offensive tackles so like maybe that translates a little bit for Isaiah Pacheco in the run game not so much for a guy like Jarek McKinnon who's primary role is going to be as a receiver but like yeah you lost a lot in terms of that that run blocking ability from Orlando Brown to Jawan Taylor listen but but you're asking pre and post yes okay that's fine and and and, but how does this scare you in terms of fantasy I just who are are you scared of I just said Isaiah Pacheco I wasn't listening to you sorry just because you disagree does not mean you can black me out. Well, as thing. soon as you said uh, the Chiefs, I was like, okay, doesn't but matter. But you, you asked the question from starting point to finishing point. Yeah, they've, they're probably a net negative for me right now. All right. Mine are the Saints. A, 
They went from paying Andy Dalton to basically nothing. I think this is a way spicier one than the Chiefs. No, they went from Andy, paying Andy Dalton to basically nothing to then paying Derek Carr a boatload of money. They're the same exact quarterback. Like, if you held up two pictures and tried to find the difference, you couldn't. <laughs> they're, they're the they're, same quarterback. Their careers are the exact same. Their abilities are, like, the exact same. I don't... I don't really understand why one gets the hype and one does not. They like, if anything, Andy Dalton has had far more success. I mean, he's whatever. It doesn't matter. Right. But they do that. And now they didn't really add to the receiver room. Chris Olave is fantastic, but they're banking on Michael Thomas staying healthy. I mean, that's pretty much it. They didn't add anywhere else. They, you know, Jarvis Landry's gone. It's not like he did anything last year, but they didn't add to it because Michael Thomas is supposed to be back and healthy, but that's been a really long time since we've seen that him on the field and healthy and playing. And then they lost, uh, you know, who knows what happens to Alvin Kamara with his, you know, uh, issues with the whole legal side. But you lost so much on defense with defense alignment going out the door in free agency. They didn't add a whole lot at all. And I just think one player that this could hurt where I just think the team overall is not going to be too great. So I think Jamal Williams. Last year he scored how many touchdowns? All of them. 1,000? <laughs> uh, precisely 1,000. I don't know if he's going to have those same opportunities in this offense this year. And I, I just I don't really want anything to do with the Saints. I, I definitely – I don't think the Saints are like a team that people are necessarily – bowing to at this point but definitely the addition of Derek Carr it feels like people are like starting to get excited about the passing game and it it just doesn't feel like there's a ton to be excited about now the second team that you had outlined here in the teams that have made the least improvement is the one that I wanted to talk about so I I wasn't going to list another team just for the sake of it this is actually us agreeing for once um it's the Tennessee Titans yeah yikes like if we're talking fantasy here, the Titans have added nothing to their offense. Like how have they gone this whole off season and their three starting wide receivers are Traylon Burks. Fine. Right. He's your, your first round pick last year, but you're supposed to add to that to make it easier for him and for him not to be the main dude. And Nick Westbrook, I kind, is that how you say Ikine. Thank you. And then Kyle Phillips. Those are your three starting wide receivers as of right now, if you were to start the season. But there's really no one else at. So it's like unless they trade, make a splash trade, which I don't think they're really in the market to right now, that's that's their team, right? They lost uh, a bunch of pieces on their offensive line. Now they did use their first-round pick on Peter Skaronsky, see if he's a guard or tackle. But that's nice, I guess. Like – your tight end is a guy that we're all excited about in uh, Okoronkoro, but like he, again, isn't like someone that's too proven. He was a rookie last year, had a nice rookie season, but who knows what he's going to end up being. This offense is just – is there a worse offense in the league? Derrick Henry is going to have to carry this whole thing, and can he at his age? It's not even like can he because I feel like he probably could just because he's. But it's going Derek to be Henry's. so hard for him. The like, boxes are going to be so stacked. But as a team, is that something you want to ask of him? I don't think it should be right. Like, I I don't know. Like, so Derrick Henry could 
if he stays healthy, he's going to have 400 attempts next year, which is going to make good for fantasy no matter what his efficiency is. does not matter. And, yes, anytime they get to the goal line, it's going to be a Derrick Henry carry, and he is going to be the focal point of this offense. But I do think there being no – no pieces anywhere else is really going to make Derrick Henry's job pretty hard. And I want to buy in the trail on Burke so hard. They could do, and he should get a ton of targets, but I really wanted them to add some wide receivers early in this draft, at least one or one wide receiver in free agency to take some of the defense away from trail on Burks. Cause who is scared of these other guys? Nobody. Um, absolutely nobody. And, that like that is the scariest thing, but that is the reason why I'm going to be all in on Traylon Burks in like a full PPR format where he doesn't necessarily need to be efficient. Like I love Traylon Burks and his ability to make plays after the catch, um, but he's probably not going to have many yards after the catch. And uh, how many touchdowns is he going to have? And how many touch? Like he's going to need to rely on that volume. If also, he's score fantasy points with this team. Also, defense they lost a lot of pieces as well, um, and. If they start losing, how long does Ryan Tannehill keep starting for, right? When do they just, like, try out Will Levis? Because they're probably going to have to. They want to see if they have something in him. And they it seems pretty clear that Ryan Tannehill's not the future here. So if Will Levis ends up coming in, he could be great for the offense or could be terrible. We have no idea. But then also, how does that affect a guy like Traylon Burks? Or but also, it's hard for a guy like Will Levis, like, as a – rookie quarterback do you really want him throwing to nick westbrook akina like i wouldn't question if you're looking at derrick henry or saquon barkley in the draft next year which guy are you looking at derrick henry has been much more consistent for fantasy saquon barkley has those big games but he seems to just disappear at the end of every season my concern is like how I don't understand Derrick Henry's body. Clearly, he's a freak. But it has to start slowing down at some point, right? Well, he's been injured the last two years, right? Yeah, but, like, he still had, what, 300-something attempts last year? Like 349, yeah. 349. Like, he... I guess Derrick Henry only missed one game last year. I don't know why I thought... Did he slow down towards the the end of the year? The year before, it was, I think, a foot... Injury, yeah, he broke mistaken. his, yeah. Um, but it's just like he has to slow down. There's no way at his age, with the number of touches he has endured in his time in the NFL, that he's still going to function at the highest oh level. Oh my gosh, he was so good at the end of last year. I don't know why I'm like forgetting Derrick Henry's end of season 121 yards, 104, 126, 109, with a touchdown in three of those four games. <laughs> Stupid. He's a freak. He's so good. Yeah, I guess I, I would be sticking like I'm fine with sticking with Derrick Henry, but he does this offense makes me a little bit nervous. How much they're going to be in scoring opportunities, how much they're gonna stay in the field getting first downs. Like Derrick Henry can't just keep getting first downs. Defenses are going to be able to stop him at, at a certain point. And maybe Traylon Burks becomes the next AJ Brown. But that pretty much is what has to happen for this offense to be good next year. Because they have nobody else it's gonna be scary gross all right that is it for today's show we hope you enjoyed it don't forget to leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast app you use and uh, if you want to leave us a comment we'll read it on the podcast and send out a ball blast 
t-shirt to you as well. We'll hit you up on Twitter if you want to give us your DM or your uh, username. Username. Thank you. You can hit us up on Twitter. My name is Michelle. You can find me at Bobblastem, Bobblast E-M. And I'm Kate. You can follow me at Kate Modric. Bye, y'all. Bye. Bye.